0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Hunger and thirst are intense desires. I mean, think of when you run or do an intense workout. You spend uh, a long time doing yard work outside. Any type of exertion of energy, you end up getting really, really thirsty, and you're longing for that drink. It's the same thing when you're cooking dinner, when you get that smell hit your nose uh, and and, and it's just something great that's your favorite meal, whatever it might be. It's like Pavlov's dog for you. All of a sudden your stomach is hungry and you're not going to be satisfied till you eat because hunger and thirsting are both intense desires. And Jesus wants the character of of those that follow him. He wants the attitude of his disciples. He wants their behavior to have that same intensity, that same desire for food to be for him. Open up with me and follow along to Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, as we go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it said that Jesus, he sat down and his disciples were following him, and he sat down and began to teach them, talking about the disciples. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he looks at them and he says, I want you to desire me above everything else in life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And this kind of desperate hunger, this kind of need for clean water and nourishing food, is what Jesus speaks of in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He wants his disciples to taste the covering of righteousness that he provides and want more. It's like having a great meal and wanting seconds. It's like having that great uh, uh, ice cold water after a workout and saying, Whew, time for more. He wants us to hunger and thirst for his lifestyle, for his way for his righteousness Jesus is painting for us a desperate scene of an empty people seeking his holy filling let's take a step back what is righteousness it says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness what is righteousness it's the word in the Greek dikayasune. dikayasune. And it's when God approves something or someone as just in his eyes. When God sees you as meeting his standard of righteousness, meaning his standard of right, his blameless perfection in all that you do, which none of us come close to. I mean, scripture lets us know none are righteous. No, not even wrong. In Matthew, uh, excuse me, in Romans chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go there. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says this. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. You see, what this verse is saying is that I sinned in Adam, you sinned in Adam, you were born into imperfection. I was born in sin, and my life is bound to sin. I'm stuck in sin. But just as Adam ruined my chances to reach and accomplish perfection, just the same way in my DNA, Adam created that void of perfection. My life is hidden in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I am covered in By his grace. Amen. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, everyone is forgiven and has that second start in life. Now when the Father looks down on us, on those who believe, he doesn't see imperfection of sin. He doesn't see Adam's failure or our own struggle in life not to sin. He sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ, because we have faith in him and we're covered in his righteousness. It says that we have a righteousness from God, a righteousness from God. Jesus's righteousness, his perfection, cover those who believe in him. He gives us grace, love, and mercy. His uprightness covers my failure and my imperfection. He covers my selfishness and my struggles. And this is what happens when someone trusts in Jesus as Savior. They become covered in his righteousness. They become covered in his grace. They're covered by Him. His grace and His love masks us. So in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, when Jesus says, and He's speaking to His disciples, He's speaking to His followers, those committed to following Him. He says, blessed are those happy and content, are those who hunger and thirst, who have intense desire for my righteousness. What is he saying? Well, the best way to figure this out is go back to the context of the chapter. Because Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, who are already believers, they've already trusted Christ as their Savior, these are the committed followers, he consistently mentions righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at verse 10, it gives us a little bit of Context clues of what's going on again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is going to be when God's kingdom comes, they will be the inheritors of that kingdom. They will be the joint heirs with Jesus for the sake of of what? Righteousness. That word sake, it literally means because of. You've been persecuted because of your righteousness. You've been abused because of the righteousness that you've been carrying of Jesus Christ. You're being um, beaten. You're being spoken ill of. People don't like you because you've decided To live a righteous life for the sake of Christ. You've decided that you are going to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn the righteousness that he has and apply that to your life. If we skip down to verse 20, it's this. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we're building again this, this building block of what it means to be righteous. What it means in this passage to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see in verse 20, Jesus says that the Pharisees' uh, righteousness, you have to surpass that. And what was the Pharisees' righteousness? Righteousness. Well, I love because Jesus, he explains it because it's like he's already anticipating that question coming up. And so in Matthew chapter six, in the same sermon, chapters five, chapter six, chapter seven are all the same sermon. He hasn't stopped speaking. In chapter six, Jesus explains in verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by men. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your father who is in heaven. Beware of being like the Pharisee who practices to be seen. He explains that in verse 2, that they give money so people look at what they're giving and not because they love charity or they love to support those in need, but because they want the pat on the back. He continues on that they pray Not because they want to talk to God. Not because they're seeking uh, to be heard by God. But because they are seeking to be heard by men. In verse 5. When they fast, it's not because they're seeking after God and they want a holy breakthrough in their life. When they fast, they do it so they can be seen. In verse 16. So, a Pharisee's righteousness... Is an outward show. And it's a good outward show. Jesus even says it. Hey man they're being seen by men. And they're getting the reward in that moment. Because everybody's thinking. Look how great and look how righteous that person is. But the difference between their righteousness. And what Jesus is calling the righteousness of his disciples. Is that he's saying. I want your righteousness to be on the inside. Being lived out. I want your righteousness to have started on the inside and it's bursting forth in all that you do. Their righteousness was a good outward show, but it was empty inside. People looked at their shouts and their songs and their prayers, their big money that they're giving and their hungry faces as they're fasting, but they were seeking the approval of men. They weren't seeking a spiritual filling. And as disciples, Jesus is saying a disciple hungers for righteousness, meaning they are seeking the attributes of Jesus in all their life. When they fast, they're doing it for the sake of growing in Christ. When they give, they're doing it for the sake of growing in Christ. When they read their Bible, they're doing it to grow for the sake of knowing Jesus. When they pray, they're doing it to cry out for forgiveness, for love, and for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything they do is to grow in Him because they hunger and they thirst. Let your hunger for Jesus Surpass the show of the Pharisees, is what Jesus is saying in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 5. Let your hunger and thirst surpass the hunger and thirst of the show. You see, grammatically, Jesus is expressing two verbs here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He's saying, I want you to be hungry and to thirst. To hunger and to thirst. And they're present tense participles. And, and I know that's a lot of Greek jargon here, but it implies it's a continuous action. He's saying, I don't want you to have a hunger and a thirst for a one-time event. I want my disciples to hunger and thirst throughout their lifetime. I want when you die, people say that guy never stopped growing in his relationship with Jesus. I want when people talk of you that they say that man, all he wanted was more and more Christ. That person wasn't content until they had their fill of Jesus every day. That's what it means to hunger. And to thirst, it implies the continuous action of going to him for a filling of more. When we read that closely, a lot of people, they get a little confused, because they see that, and they don't understand, the idea of going back for more. Yes. We trusted Christ as Savior, and we are forgiven, and we are covered with His righteousness. Romans lets us know that. Romans chapter 5, we just read that. But what it's saying is a disciple takes that relationship further. Instead of being satisfied with that one-time filling for eternal life, instead of being satisfied with going to Jesus for forgiveness for sin and 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 covering and saving from hell. A disciple says, I want to be like Jesus's righteousness. I hunger and I thirst for what he can do in my life. It reminds me of when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I wasn't concerned about uh growing in righteousness. As a kid, my only hunger and thirst was not to die and go to hell. That's how I trusted Christ. Not because I wanted a relationship with Jesus, but because I was scared of dying and going to hell. But Jesus is saying is now that you aren't dying and going to hell, hunger and thirst for a relationship Hunger and thirst for actions of righteous living. Matthew chapter 5, verse says, Those who are continually hungering and thirsting, they're happy. They're content because they will be satisfied. You see, a person doesn't stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness once he or she has crossed the line when it comes to faith. You you know, that's what this disciple is. They're they're not content with just having trusted Christ. They want to grow in Christ now. they got salvation. They're covered in Jesus' righteousness. But now they want more. They're hungering. They're thirsting for it. It's a constant pursuit to live a life of righteousness, to yearn to be more like Jesus, to be more Christ-like. What Jesus is saying is not just, hey, give me a piece of bread. But rather he's saying, this person is saying, Jesus, I want the whole loaf. Jesus saved them. He covered them in righteousness. And because of that, we enter heaven. We know that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it is a free gift of God. But now, now, a person that is following Jesus committed to a life of discipleship, of learning from him. Now that they have already trusted Christ and they're saved. Now that they've committed their life to following him, they're eternally secure. You know what they're doing? They are hungering for more Jesus. A disciple hungers and thirsts for more of him. I love how Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 to 11, Paul says this, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment or blessed happiness. It's the same word, content. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing to have it wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee! Run away from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Paul says, Godliness, or being like Jesus in your thoughts, And actions is a gain because it comes with reward. As we looked at a couple weeks ago, we know some of the reward is what Matthew 5, 5 says. The meek will inherit the world. They will reign when Jesus comes to reign. So be content. Just as Paul says, be content, be happy. Be blessed. Be happy, or as Jesus says, happy are those, be happy to be godly. Because our other pursuits in life, of fame, of fortune, of a full pantry, they don't last for eternity. And the pursuit of worldly gain leaves us spiritually empty. It's a snare of the devil, Paul says. But verse 11, seek righteousness and pursue it, seek righteousness and pursue it, actively seek, chase, go after, apply and live righteousness, live right before God. Jesus says, don't seek men's praise. Don't seek money. Don't seek fame, don't seek fortune. Don't even seek the clothing that looks fancy and nice. Don't seek any of those things. In fact, he goes on in verse 6 of Matthew, excuse me, chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 33 and 32. He says, For the Gentiles, and that word Gentile is the word ethne, and it literally just means the unbelieving world, the pagans, the unbelievers that are out there, they eagerly seek after these things. You see, Jesus is saying, I want you to seek righteousness. My disciples seek righteousness, and now he's saying the unbelieving world They're seeking everything that's selfishness. He's saying, so I want something better for you. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you seek first his kingdom live like Jesus could come back tomorrow and seek his righteousness seek to live for Jesus Christ on this earth don't be satisfied with a one-time feasting continually go and grow in your relationship with him friends we have been clothed in his righteousness. We have received the promise and the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ our Savior. We are eternally secure. We are good and right and blameless in God's eyes because of Jesus. And Jesus says his disciples will live knowing this. And they will pursue to be like him. In fact, they hunger for it and they thirst to live like Jesus for others. They're seeking to live for themselves in the moment, but a disciple seeks to live for his kingdom and his glory, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. His standard for what's right. His standard for what's right in your marriage. His standard for what's right in your friendships. That's what it means to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It means to seek His standard for everything in life. To seek His standard for your parenting style. To seek His standard for your work relationships. To seek His standard In the way that you interact with anyone, believer or unbeliever, to seek His standard for how you should pray, to seek His standard in how you should give of your tithes and offerings, to seek His standard in how you should study His Word, to seek His standard and follow His way. That's what sets you apart as one who follows Him. To seek His standard. Not to get a greater salvation, but to grow in the relationship that you have and bring glory to the Father who is above. Seeking his standard in life is the standard of a disciple, a learner of Jesus. A righteous man shall live by faith, and it means they are living what they believe in Christ. A righteous man shall live by faith. I am living out what I've seen Jesus do. I am living out as if I know for certain I'm saved. So live it out. You're cloaked and covered in his righteousness, so live like it. Their faith is what is on the inside, and it's bursting out in action. A Pharisee, they're living out fakeness, and on the inside is emptiness and death. What they have inside has to be lived out. That's the life of a disciple. It's an inside out effect of Jesus in you. An inside out righteousness. Jesus has covered you in his righteousness and now you're trying to live like him. You're pursuing it. You're living it. And you're growing in it. Appetites aren't filled until you do something about it. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. You cannot be satisfied until you do something about it. It's one thing to intellectually say, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I desire food. But it's another thing to take the steps to satisfy your hunger and thirst. And at some point, you have to eat and drink. You have to grow in his righteousness and seek him. You see, on the flip side of this, though, on the flip side of this is a loss of appetite. Jesus is saying, my disciples, my followers, They hunger and thirst. Those that seek after me, seek my kingdom. Those that want to be learners of mine, they're not only covered by my righteousness, they want to grow in my righteousness. But on the flip side of that, is a loss of appetite. It shows illness. Physically, we know something's wrong when people aren't hungry anymore and it's dinner time when it's been a a full day. And that person is still not wanting anything. And the same is true spiritually. When we no longer hunger and thirst for our time alone with God, when we no longer hunger and thirst for time in his word and time in, in prayer When we're not committing ourselves to worshiping the one true God. Or we fail to get alarmed and convicted about our own sin in life. Our own spiritual condition. When we don't feel bad for the lost world. It's a clear sign that there's spiritual sickness in our life. When we no longer take appropriate action for developing a deeper relationship with God, with Jesus, with our savior. That's a warning light. Bing, 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 We all hate jumping inside the car and seeing that dummy warning light, don't we? Because it panics us. If I'm driving, this engine could die. If I'm going, my tire can pop. And just like that light on the dashboard of your car. It's illuminated as a signal that something is wrong. When we aren't hungering and thirsting for God and His Word in our prayer life. When we see the pains of this world and it doesn't pain us. When we don't feel guilt over our sin. We, we don't feel like worshiping their sickness. And we need help. The action we need to take is to go back to the source, which is Jesus, the bread of life. Even when we don't feel like it, brothers and sisters, we need to go to him. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 6, go ahead and go there with me. John chapter 6, verses 47 to 51 Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. That's the promise within a promise. Truly, truly, a double in fat It is yours. It is given. The moment you trust Jesus, you have eternal life. But he goes on verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes out of heaven so that one may eat of it. And not die. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm giving you something that is so much better. The Israelites, when they were lost in the desert, they ate, but they were still hungry later. I'm giving you something that when you hunger for it and you taste it and you eat it, it satisfies you. This is the bread which comes out down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for them, life of this world, is my flesh. When we are spiritually hungry, we will come to the source of our spiritual life, Jesus himself. Our real hunger is for him and to live like him, to be lifelong learners of him. Hunger and thirst are intense desires. It's that same intensity that we need to go and approach in seeking righteousness, seeking him first and his kingdom Do you have that same desperation to live a life for him to live inside out so that you're no longer seeking the praise of man like the Pharisees do but you're seeking the well done my good and faithful servant of your God and King that's what separates those who hunger for salvation And now, those who are hungering for the relationship. Amen. This is the mind of a disciple. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.